Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro, driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Life is better with a Honda. Visit your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer today or online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, electric cars, flying cars, and teaching history through video games. All this and more coming up. One of the biggest stories we've been following recently is General Motors deciding not to leave the Lordstown, Ohio area for good after all, and instead announcing they're going to open a new electric vehicle battery plant in partnership with LG Chem. And while the 1,100 new jobs coming in are just a fraction of the more than 4,000 lost when they closed the Chevy Cruze plant, it's still very good news for Northeast Ohio. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. Having GM was still a presence in the Mahoney Valley area is just very important. I mean, this is kind of a joint venture that they have engaged in, and I think it does bode well for Ohio's future as we advance towards what ultimately is going to be an all-electric future. But even though we're going to be seeing more electric vehicles on the road in the future, that doesn't mean we're going to continue to get all of the same tax incentives when it comes to buying them. CNET's Brian Cooley tells us why. Cars with a plug are still a tiny percentage of all cars sold, but incentives for them are starting to dry up already. Tesla cars will cease to qualify for thousands in IRS tax credits as of the end of 2019. And GM's electric cars will soon lose their credit too, all because those companies have sold more than the 200,000 units that triggers a tax credit phase-out. In California, new rules were just adopted that trim the state's EV rebate from $2,500 to $2,000, now offering no rebate for an electric car that costs more than sixty grand, and no credit for any plug-in hybrid that can't go at least 35 miles on all-electric power. Some feel a better strategy would be to promote plug-in hybrids because they have no range limits, or EVs with smaller batteries that still have plenty of range for most driving, but just plain cost less. High-tech cars and modern driving at CoolionCars.com. And while electric cars are quiet and energy efficient, they're not even a fraction as cool as the latest high-tech vehicle that takes driving to a whole new level. Right out of the Jetsons, a flying car landed in Miami this week. The Pioneer personal air landing vehicle has rotor blades, which allows it to fly like a helicopter. But they can also fold so the vehicle can cruise on city streets. Still, you must have a pilot's license to operate it. The flying car has a price tag of $599,000. Next, we're going back to the future and finding out how history is being taught through video games. Professor Martin Wainwright is a history professor and chair of the history department at the University of Akron. And he just wrote the world's first textbook on history viewed through the lens of video games. It's called Virtual History, How Video Games Portray the Past. What I have found is that over time, they've improved. And it's often not because of historians so much critiquing their games, but because of the fan base. The fan base responds in blogs, in discussion boards, often sponsored by the game designers themselves, and they ask for changes. And often they're reflecting a more accurate or nuanced view of history. And so, in general, they've got better 
I think, at portraying the past than, than they were, say, back in the 90s. So that's kind of interesting. It sounds like, to a certain degree, what's happening is that our view of history as portrayed in video games, it's kind of being crowdsourced. The crowd is talking back to the originators. That's pretty cool and unusual, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how unusual it is compared to other games. I mean, this is the modern world we're in where you can get fairly rapid responses because of the internet. And people even do modifications, what are called mods to games. And the publishers of the games will often host sites for mods and then the mods and then people will post their mods and the mods alter the game in ways that the fan base or the producers of the mods who are doing it for free in ways that they want the games to be changed and sometimes the producers of the games then will adapt those mods and incorporate them into the next release of their game are you finding that they're becoming then more accurate more true to the way history was, or is there the possibility that these changes are reflecting what people want the past to look like as opposed to what it actually well, did? Well, <laughs> there is a certain amount of that, and one of the big problems is about agency. And when we talk in, uh, when historians talk about agency, they're talking about whether groups of people who may be underrepresented are recognized and given an active role or recognized for their active roles in history. So, for instance. You know, one of the problems that I've seen with the attempts of game producers to try to introduce a bit more gender equity into their games is that they often just simply substitute a woman for a man as a protagonist and have her doing all the same things that the man does. But of course, in the historical setting, that is often just completely implausible because the social restrictions of previous times would have at very least caused other characters in a game to comment on the fact that a woman was doing these things that a man normally did. So that is one problem I've seen emerge from this. And of course, they also have to police any attempts to modify games to make sure they're not used for undesirable purposes. I mean, you could have somebody modify a game about World War II, for instance, and try to uh, make it pro-Nazi or something like that. And in that case, these game companies have been very quick to crack down on that type of behavior. I see. What would you say the big takeaway is now that students are learning something about history through video games? Well, it's to... First of all, not take everything you see in a video game at face value. And I'm not quite sure how much students are doing that, but they may be doing it subconsciously sometimes. I mean, obviously, if you have a superhero of some sort doing crazy, implausible things, they're not going to take that at face value anyway. But they may take the surrounding elements at face value, and this is getting people to look more critically at games. They're also learning a lot about what historians have discussed concerning issues that these games deal with, that questions about gender, questions about race and ethnicity, what are the inbuilt biases into these games that may be there because, for instance, of the composition of the development team. If the development team is full of white males, then uh, they may not be considering aspects of history that 
focused more on people of color or on women. So can you give me some examples of some contemporary video games that have this historical content that people would be able to say, oh, yeah, I remember that, or maybe I'll check that out. A major game series I deal with is Assassin's Creed, which is a third-person action video game. So you're kind of manipulating the main character like a, as if you're a puppet master moving them through their environment. And they very well recreate a lot of the architecture of different periods in the past. Uh, the most recent game takes place in ancient Greece. We also deal with Call of Duty, which is a game that frequently goes back to World War II or the Cold War. And then in terms of strategy games, people may be familiar with the Civilization series because it's a, a very popular strategy game or Age of Empires. So if you had to make a judgment on how well video games or if video games are making students, young people, appreciate history more or be interested in history more, would you say that they do or that they don't or it's just an interesting anecdote? No, I think that they do. In fact, I know that in our department, some of the people who have decided to major in history initially got interested in history because of playing video games. So, yeah, I think it, it is exposing people to history. It's one of the ways, it's the new medium that's exposing people to history. You know, it used to be TV or the movies, and, and those still are important. There's also historical novels, but this is a new layer that has been added. And one of the differences between this layer and those others I just mentioned is that you are actually kind of participating in recreating history. You're not just a passive viewer, you are actually immersed in kind of either living in that time or guiding nations through the period that the game portrays. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Life is better with a Honda. Visit your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer today or online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.